the Word of God and see the glory of Jesus and be changed. Father, we need you to root out stuff in our hearts. We need you to pull down some idols in us. We need you to convict us of our sin so that we repent. We need you to guide us, Lord, so that, Lord, we see where we, we can see where we're going. We need you, Lord, to, to change us. We can't change ourselves very well, but you can. So we submit ourselves to you. Rain down on us, O great Holy Spirit. Help us to hear and see Jesus. Help us to surrender ourselves. Use your unworthy servant. In Christ's name we pray, Holy Father. Amen. John chapter 12, beginning of verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks so these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. Now our passage. Whoever loves this life loses it. Whoever hates this life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. That is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you again, praise team. Thank you, thank you. It's a brief introduction this morning, very brief. All this talk of death and glory, for some people not understanding or listening very clearly, may make us sound like some kind of Jonestown death cult. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, okay? But that's not what we're talking about. Following Jesus, yes, is death and glory. But it means life. A good life. A joyful life. A meaningful life. But not an easy life. Death and glory is not an easy life but it's worth it. What say you for death and glory? Are you ready? The Lord gave us a great principle in this passage. It's the principle of the kingdom of God. Death leads to glory. He is the grain of wheat that falls to the earth and dies. And because he dies, great fruit comes. 
great harvest comes. Jesus saves disciples that we may follow him in death and glory. And so now in this passage, he's going to apply what he said to us. What does it mean for us that a grain of wheat, wheat falls to the earth and dies and bears much fruit? We know what it meant for him. Now he says to his disciples, this is what it means for you. In seeking death and glory, we must die to self. I hinted at that last time. I kept saying, I want to get ahead of myself. But so I hinted at that idea. And some of you got it. I know that. But now we're going to dive into it. Dying to self. Our Lord uses strong language here. Verse 25, whoever loves this life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That's very strong language. He's making his point. He gives us a contrast between love and hate. How are we to be useful in the kingdom of God? How are we to die that glory might come? How are we to have success in life? How are we to save our lives? We say, we say, the one who will save his life must save it. <laughs> he must look out for number one. She must look out for me, look out for myself. Must get my brand out there, me, myself, and I. Focus on loving myself. And Jesus said the very opposite of that. In verse 25, he uses the word life three times. The first two is the word suke, where we get our word psychology from it. In other words, don't seek but hate the worldly way of thinking and feeling that is focused on ego. We've been told we have to love ourselves. And yet Jesus says, I mean, listen to his wording. Whoever loves this life loses it. Whoever hates this life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Is there a difference between loving yourself and what Jesus said? It's the upside down kingdom. To focus on learning to love yourself is, is death. Because you by nature already do that. You do. Trust, take it on faith. You love you. You love you more than you love anybody else. The values of the kingdom of heaven are different from the worldly cultures in which we live and breathe. Jesus said, stop trying to save your own life. If Jesus had focused on loving himself, he would never have gone to the cross. We would be lost forever. To love your life is to be focused on your own comfort, ambition, and prosperity. It leads to being impressed and enticed by this world and its pleasures. By the world, we mean the, what the Bible means, the, the world system. The world system, which is the way of living, loving, and thinking that is without hope and without God. That's what I mean when I say the culture. I'm talking about the world. 
the world system. We, living as if God does not exist, or if he does exist, he doesn't matter. We end up spending money we don't have to buy things we don't need, to impress people we don't know or even like. John warns us about this, remember, in, in 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Remember, the writer of the Gospel of John writes the letters of John and Revelation. So he's, he's the themes, he's flowing with the same themes. In 1 John, it's on the screen. Jesus says through, through him, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the, listen, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a categorical statement, not in him. For all that is in the world, what is in the world? The desires of the flesh, passions of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, what you see you must have, and pride of life, pride and arrogance is not from the Father, but is from the world. And here's the big point, and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God, abides forever. From his example in life-giving death, Jesus' example and life-giving death will go together. Those who become his servants will be known as those who follow him in laying down their lives in this world. They will not be defined or controlled by the categories of this life, worldliness loving the things of this world, giving ourselves to that which is passing away. Passing away. When you live for your passions, and most of the time in the scriptures, that has to do with sexual passions, but there are all kinds of passions that move you away from God. When you live for accumulating more stuff, more of what you see, when you see someone else has it, you've got to have it. Sounds like advertising. I mean, really, think about it. That's how we advertise things to us. By telling people, this will give you sex appeal. If you get the car, you get the girl. You gotta have that watch. You gotta have that thing. You, that's because it will give you meaning and purpose. You will feel good about yourself. You will feel like you're somebody if you wear those clothes. It's amazing. Our advertising system in this country is the very thing John warns us against. And you can't take it with you. It's pa and it's, it's passing away. <laughs> Ultimately, it will have to go. But those who, who see Jesus, those who see Jesus, find that they have a greater love, a different love. Matter of fact, he says, listen, we know we should hate He's, he's, he says we should hate our life in this world. Ooh. Does that mean that we should not want to go to work? <laughs> I, I know that sometimes is true. I understand. 
Does that mean that we should, man, just live in a Christian bubble, close the windows and doors? We hate the world. (laughs) Does it mean that we should not care about our neighbors? Now, some forms of Christianity has taken this tack, by the way. That's not biblical. That's not what he's saying. Remember, he's talking about the world system. Living in this world should cause us to feel a little uncomfortable. Living within the system, being in the world but not of the world, should make us a little uncomfortable. Remember I told you before, we shouldn't fit in those political systems and categories that we sometimes, that the church splits over. You shouldn't fit being a Democrat. You shouldn't fit being a Republican. I refuse to identify myself either way, but you shouldn't fit. You should be agitating those groups. When you show up with Democrats and y'all talking about stuff, you should be the one agitating. You should be the one saying, hold it now, that's true, but what about? (laughs) When you fit into those categories, when you fit into those different worldly groups, you've lost Jesus. You don't hate the world, you love it. And when we argue about those things, we're showing where our love is. Jesus is talking to us this morning. Because of who Jesus is, we hate life in this worldly system because there's another principle at work in us. Eternal life. The word for life there is Zoe, it it means divine, indestructible life, a different quality of life that's in fellowship with God now and forever, and forever. There's a new life principle, a new reality at work in you because you've been born again. You've been made alive. You were dead in sin at first. Remember, you, you were unresponsive to the things of God, but then God made you alive, John chapter 3, by His Spirit. And now that you are alive, His Zoe, His life lives in you forever. And, 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 and that gives you a new way of seeing everything. It exp- that life exposes the emperor has no clothes in the world system. It exposes it. Do you see? Do you see that the emperor is naked? And that all those baubles and trinkets and stuff you must have is not life but death when you live for them. The Christian should be able to have things but not be possessed by things. If I lose something, years ago, I'm a little family history here. Years ago, my dad, we were living in Philly, West Philly, our house, still a house where my mom lives now. My dad had a beautiful Monte Carlo. My dad always got a new car every four, four or five, a new Buick every four or five years. He always did. They loved him at Wilkie Buick. They said, Smitty, come on in, Smitty. I think they were ripping him off too, but that's another story. Somebody stole this Monte Carlo. My dad was 5'8", 200 pounds. He was a big guy. When they stole this car, 
he went down, he lost, he went down to 140-something pounds. And he never gained that weight back for the rest of his life. It destroyed him. Now, you wouldn't know that. He, 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 my dad was the light of the room, man. He walked in the room, he lighted up. My, all my friends loved my dad. He, he went on. But something broke inside of him when they stole his car. Is that you? If, if, he, if you lost your car, would your life be over? Or whatever. Would your life be over? You've been flimflammed. We are living by the reality of another king because we have this life in us. Another king, another kingdom. Our death now is for his glory. Dying to self is the sacrifice of worship now. When, you, when we say it's not about me, when we say it's not me first and my desires first, it's, it's about Jesus, it's, it's about worship. Worship is declaring that God is greater and more important than you are. And surrendering your life for his will is your highest good. Yes, God is more important than you are. Jesus is more important than you. He's better than you. I'm not better than you, but Jesus is. And that's right. If you don't accept that, you, don't, you're not, you can't worship. Not him in truth. Romans 12, 1 and 2 reminds us, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies, multiple mercies of God. God has been merciful to you in Christ to present because of his mercies, because you have received his mercies in Christ, because you have received his love, his grace, his justification, all those big Bible words. Because he's done a work for you and in you to bring you to God, to adopt you into his family and set you free in his kingdom. Because of all of those mercies, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't love the world. Stop loving it. Stop being conformed to this world now. But, but, we don't live in a vacuum, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, not the will of the culture. What is the will of God? Not your will be done. His will. What is the will of God? What is good, acceptable, and perfect in relation to him and his will. Once you've experienced this multifaceted mercies of God in Christ, then you have what you need to give yourself to that life, his life, his will. This is worship. You don't present not merely your money in the offering plate, amen. You don't necessarily merely present your singing, amen, and your prayers, Amen. But now you get up on the altar yourself. Yourself, your future, your destiny, your ambitions, all of it. 
your hopes and dreams. You put it all up on the altar, the altar of his loving will and glory. Because you don't love the world. You've been captivated by his love, and you love him. You make decisions now. You can make decisions now that are sacrificial, that aren't about you. Abraham and Lot in Genesis 14, 13, excuse me, Genesis 13, they were, Abraham, the great patriarch, of course, and his nephew Lot were traveling together. They had multiple herds. They were, they were wealthy men. And what happened was the land couldn't support both of the, their flocks. It was so much, they just, the herdsmen started arguing and fighting. God, that's how, pe- that's how the church is. People started arguing about mine, 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 yours, that's mine, that's mine. And so he said, Abraham said, hold it down, listen. We got too much. We got to split up. We got to go. You go one way, I'll go the other. And what did Abraham do? What would you have done? He's the elder statesman. You would have chose, okay, I'm going this way. You go that way. You would have chose first. That's not what he did. He looked at his nephew and said, the whole land's before you. You tell me where you want to go. And what did Lot do? He chose the best. He looked out and said, woohoo, that's, the, that's where the oasis, that's where the, oh, the land is fertile. By the way, it was Sodom and Gomorrah land, just so you know. He didn't know that was coming. <laughs> but he chose that land, the fertile land, the beautiful land. And Abraham took the leftovers. That's dying to self. I don't have to be first. I don't have to have the best. I don't have to fight and claw for the best. What do you want to do, bro? What do you want to do, sis? Esther. If she had kept her mouth shut, no one knew she was a Jew. Just keep her mouth shut. She's queen. Just keep her mouth shut. And the death threat upon all the Jews would have missed her by a mile. No one, even if someone said she was a Jew, the king wouldn't have believed them. But killed and knocked that guy off too. She was safe, y'all. She died to self. Died to worldly wealth and comfort. And she outed herself. Now she set it up nice, but she outed herself. For the sake of the people of God. She didn't ask, what can the church do for me? She said, what can I do for the honor and glory of God to serve the people of God? Even if it means risking my life. That's what Jesus is talking about, y'all. He hates his life in this world, will keep it for eternal life, is willing to deny him or herself and take up the cross and follow. As long as we love our life in this world, we can't give. We can't really sacrifice. We can't, listen, we will always be clawing and fighting. Paul talks about this too. Oh, I love this passage. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole of the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 
chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, here's what he says. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he, Jesus, died for all that those who might live that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Will you tattoo that on your heart? What did Jesus die to do? To take dad and Lindsay and say, you are no longer living for yourselves, but for me. By the way, that makes a very good marriage. Okay, I'm doing marriage counseling right now. That's a very good marriage. Our marriages fall apart because one or both partners decide I'm living for me. And when that happens, but when both parties, listen, will say, not say I'm living for each, we're living for each other. That's not where you start. But you're living for one who died, for your sake died and was raised. You see, when you live for him, now you're able to serve each other. Now you can sacrifice. It's not always have to be your way, that. Your way, Lindsay, doesn't have to always be your way or each other's way. You can say, it's your way. What do you want to do? I'm down. I'm all in. And you lose nothing of yourself. You lose nothing of your identity. You lose nothing of, your, of, your, of who you are. You gain. Churches split and divide. Why? Because somebody is saying, it's my way. And I'm living for my will be done. My vision my purpose, what I want. Families, businesses split, partnerships break up, etc. But Jesus died. Paul says it. Jesus died that we might no longer live for ourselves, but for him who for our sake died and was raised to life again. Paul Tripp comments on this passage. Yes, it's true. The DNA of sin is selfishness. It causes us all to be far too self-focused and self-absorbed. It reduces the field of our normal concern down to our wants, our needs, and our feelings. It makes us all too entitled and all too demanding. It causes us to be quicker to mete out judgment than to extend mercy. It makes us unwilling to overlook minor offenses. It makes us hold on to what we should have long since forgiven. Years go by, you're still holding a grudge. It makes us self-righteously defensive instead of being ready to confess. He says the mess of relationships is the mess of sin. <laughs> End quote. Stop refusing to die. You know the old saying, what's the problem with living sacrifices? They keep rolling off the altar, jumping off the altar. <laughs> That's us. The knife is coming. We say, oh. 
We, we don't want to die. And yet that's the very thing we need to do. Die. Gary Thomas, in his book, Authentic Faith, tells kind of a biological story. He says a struggle he had. I love Gary Thomas. He's one of my favorite authors. It's a struggle with his own lack of generosity and unwillingness to sacrifice. You see, his wife, they had gotten a new minivan. And when kids are little, and when you have little kids having a minivan, <laughs> and when you're in ministry, you don't get new cars all the time. <laughs> and I, we remember those days. <laughs> we remember that. We still don't buy new cars, but we remember, man, someone, thank God people gave us minivans. That's a whole nother God thing. Whole nother God thing. But man, he got a, they had a brand new minivan, fresh off, the, maybe one of those town and countries, I don't remember. But he, minivan, and, and, and he's excited, and it's brand new, and, and a family in the church is going on vacation, and they don't have a vehicle that can house their, their whole family. And so this wife, his unsanctified wife, decides she wants to loan their brand new minivan to these people. To drive across, he said, he said to drive across the state, it must, have, must have been a very big state. And he, and he struggled with wanting to let go of his car. Are you kidding me? I just got this. This is brand new. We finally got something new. And you want to let somebody else put a thousand miles on it? He's, he's really having a moment. But then the Spirit of God spoke to his heart. Here's where it gets good. The Spirit of God, he said, the Spirit of God said to him, so what you are really saying is that you are willing to act like a Christian only as, is, only as long as it doesn't cost you anything. Really? You're only, is that, is that us? Does it sound like us? We're willing to act like a Christian as long as there's no cost involved. As long as I don't have to give up anything. As long as I don't have to risk anything, as long as I don't have to ask forgiveness. I wanted to act like a Christian. I'll give in the offering. I'll do whatever you want, but don't ask me to publicly apologize to somebody. Don't ask me to repent of my sin and, and, and other people might have to receive an apology from me. Or don't make me have to give something, something valuable. Loan something to someone who's in need. Give more than the $20 that I know I got in my pocket easy. But I'm going to give $100. I'm just giving an example. I'm not saying you don't get, he got a $100 line. He asked for 100 No, please. But it's easy. Listen, I'll be honest. It's easy for me to get $20 to somebody. I've done it. Homeless people, give them a 20. I've done it many times. No problem. Because $20 ain't nothing. Ask me to tithe. Following Jesus is okay if it calls for low risk of stuff low risk of losing the respect of my peers, low risk of letting go of something that I always believed to be valuable. 
guess I'm not going to finish this message today. You see, we're always trying to protect ourselves and our stuff. And sometimes to protect ourselves and our stuff even from God. Because God is deadly to selfishness. He's deadly. He's ruthless in a beautiful way. He will pry our fingers loose of stuff and people sometimes. Because he loves us. And he knows anything you grip like that will give you arthritis. Some of us got spiritual arthritis because we're holding on to something, someone so tight and for so long. Lord, I wanted to go further, didn't I? I was planning to. His love, the love of Christ compels us, Paul said. It compels us. His love controls us. His love grips us so that we want to live not long, no longer for ourselves, but for him. Have you experienced that love? Are you diving into the depths of that love? Are you, are you letting that love day by day continue to amaze you and, and draw you in and, and, and sink deep into your heart? Do you think about how much the Lord loves you or even better, loves us? Some of our, some of our songs are so self-focused. We, we've, we're singing in a group, but we're singing about ourselves. We should be singing about us. <laughs> But that's all right. That's another story. It's what, it's what Paul, Paul says in Ephesians uh, chapter 3. I just turned here myself. I just thought about it. Ephesians chapter 3. And he's, um, he's actually praying for us. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. This is not on the screen. Listen, Ephesians chapter. You can turn here if you want. Ephesians chapter 3. He says, I'm praying for this. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Why, Paul? Why do we need the spirit's power strengthening us in our hearts, in our inner being? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, so Christ dwelling in me. By as I trust in him, Christ is dwelling in me. This is good. Why do I need Christ dwelling in me? that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with, listen, group, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
the compelling love that Paul talks about in First and Second Corinthians five, that love that grabs us and won't let us go, that makes us understand that we no longer live for ourselves, but for him. That's the love he's describing here. He's praying that we together, not you by yourself, not you solo, but together we might know this love that goes beyond understanding, that goes beyond description. It is so wide, so high, so deep that we can't even get to the bottom of it, top of it, or the end of it. It's so amazing. It's an ocean. And you are the speck that dove in. Diving into the ocean of the love of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, when that, when that love washes over you and soaks through your skin into your very soul, brothers and sisters, you'll live for that love. You'll live for that love. <laughs> Woo! You will never be, you will never be loved like this before. <laughs> and never will again. Nobody can love you like that. He is the grain of wheat that died that you might live. He's the grain of wheat that died that you might know the love of God that passes our understanding. And so stop living for you. Listen, brothers and sisters, that is the great sin of the American church. We, we are individualistic and we live for ourselves. Okay, you don't believe me. It's okay. It's all right. God will show you. Matter of fact, he's already showing you. Just ask your wife. No, I'm sorry. Your husband, ask your kids, ask your friends. They'll tell you, you're selfish so-and-so. <laughs> you have those moments, don't you? Don't we all? We have those moments. But don't we want to get rid of them? Living for you is death. Living for you, it will kill all your friendships, kill your marriage, make your children hate you. You won't have any friends. Because no one wants to be around somebody who's so into themselves. And that those who do stay around you don't trust you because they're just like you. But family, when we would give ourselves to the love of Christ, not to the love of the world, not trying to impress social media, not trying to impress people at work, not trying to get your brand and your name. I, I mean, in a self-centered way. If you, if you have a business, you've got to advertise that. I'm just, I'm just talking about this, this constant sense of putting ourselves, we see me, hear me, beautiful, cool. I'm, it's living for yourself. And it's that. Jesus gives something much better. For me. He's a good taskmaster. <laughs> His joke is easy and his burden is light. Live for me. Pastor Bully, I think you're going to lead us in the Lord's Supper today. Let's pray. Give us for living for ourselves. Our culture, our world keeps pushing in on us. And Lord, it's hard for us to say no. But Lord, you put a life, your life in us. More than our principle, you put your life in us. Christ in us can give us the victory if we will trust him. Well, we don't always believe Jesus. We, we fall for the lies of the world. We think the culture knows best. And we forget that Christ really does know what he's talking about. 
Deliver us from ourselves. Deliver us from the world. And Lord, deliver us from, from loving this world. We're giving up our life. Help us to hate life in this world system. And find true life in the eternal life, in the eternal kingdom with King Jesus. Show us, Lord. Show us where we've gone wrong. Each one of us, show us where we've gone wrong and bring us back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.